You're listening to The Husk, a presentation of the University of Nebraska-Lincoln's Department of Agricultural Leadership, Education, and Communication. I'm your host, Jaden Heckenlively. Today, I am speaking with Logan Kalkowski, a graduate student here at UNL pursuing his agricultural economics degree, working in animal research and marketing. Logan's family ranch was hit by the flooding here in Nebraska, and more specifically, the breaking of the Spencer Dam. My family raises livestock in northeast Nebraska in a town called Lynch, Nebraska. We're located in Boyd County. You know, we're right between the Niobrara and the Missouri Rivers. Very beautiful country, rolling hills. Half of our county's sandy soil, and the other half is pretty heavy jumbo clay. And our family ranches on the Niobrara River. Our home place is just about 500 yards up from the river and um, in location to the Spencer Dam that so many of us have, have heard so much about. We're about seven miles downstream from the river, we were, or from the dam. We were one of the first places to get affected or hit by the massive wall of water when the dam did break. With the unexpected breaking of the Spencer Dam, Logan and his family were not prepared for this type of catastrophe. Yeah, so the morning of the flood, we, uh, my parents do not actually live there. They both have outside jobs in Omaha. We have a hired full-time gentleman that works for us and lives on the site. And he lives on the bottom with all the livestock pins. And he got a call from the county sheriff saying, you need to get out as fast as possible. I believe this was at 530 in the morning. And he got out of his house, took his family had no running water, had no power, so he kind of just grabbed what he could for an overnight bag and got out of there. He didn't have time to open any gates for livestock to get to higher ground or anything along those lines. Like many others in the Lynch community, Logan's ranch suffered many damages from the wall of water. So as far as our ranching operation goes, our biggest loss will probably be the fencing and the low-lying grounds as far as some soot that traveled in with the river, some sand. We lost just a handful of cattle, so we were very, very fortunate compared to many of our neighbors as far as livestock goes. Many of them were able to get to higher ground. Uh, luckily, we had been kind of anticipating rising waters and lots of snow melt traveling, so we were able to move just a, move just a couple groups of cows up to the higher ground in the hills to avoid a massive disaster and mostly for the mud control down where we calve our cows. But with that, many of our neighbors did suffer greater losses than we did. What's very unique about our area is we have the two rivers that kind of create an island for the whole county, and then there's a large creek that runs right through the middle of those two known as the Ponca Creek. This creek rose clear out of its banks and pretty much wiped out a lot of the community homes in town in Lynch. And uh, it was very interesting as we drove through days later seeing all the houses in shambles and giant boulders of ice traveling and laying on the road ditches right off of Highway 12. We have a family friend at, that also ranches just a couple miles farther down um, east of our place along the main highway that runs through the county, also along the Ponca Creek. They suffered much more loss than we did. I think they lost 40 calves and several cows so it was very painful to watch and I got a call from them later one night when I was up there saying we need your help we can't find several calves and we've got a tractor stuck what's really cool with all of it is seeing the people come together 
Following these damages came endless support from the Lynch community as well as the entire state. Yeah, so the, the damages really made an impact in everyone across the state, and specifically in our county, what was really cool to see is all the people come together from this. You know, in natural disaster, you don't want to say there's good that comes out of it, but it's really cool to see the community come together, meeting lots of the locals that you haven't seen all that much in the past, being able to come out, open their doors, welcome new people in. And one of the coolest things was, you know, there were people that had lost everything and they were willing to come unload random people's vehicles of donated items and be able to help keep inventory of all those items and be able to get them back out to other people in the community. The next step from this disaster is the rebuilding from the ranch to the community. One of the biggest things for our community is with the dam breaking, we lost all rural water power and that services all of the Boyd County, well, half of the Boyd County area uh, was wiped out when the dam was um, broken and it actually has kind of made an impact because, you know, we don't necessarily have good clean drinking water yet. They have told us that we can now boil the water for a minute and it will be safe to drink. But, you know, when you're so used to just going to the sink and filling up a glass of water, it's a little different needing to wait for the water to warm up and then be able to drink it. Um, so those are just little things that you have to consider and be able to look forward to in the future. As far as continuing to rebuild, most of our things will revolve around getting tree limbs and different things cleaned up and fences rebuilt along the river bottoms and along the creek in order to run cattle back in the areas and keep them safe as well as keep the wildlife safe on the other side of the fence. Organizations from all over the state are reaching out to help with the rebuilding as well. One of the things that we saw come about throughout most of the state was the FEMA program from the federal government helping these ranchers and farmers uh, with, with different organizations like the Livestock Indemnity and other organizations. And really you've seen a lot of private interactions between people outside of the affected area being willing to donate their time or their resources or their equipment to really come and provide to the community or provide to a specific family, which is really cool. The flooding has been an eye-opener for many producers, including Logan, and how they can better prepare for harsh conditions. I think this is something that everyone will remember, just like our parents or grandparents would tell us about a winter storm or a flood or a hailstorm in the past. This will be the thing we will remember and grow from. One of the things I know our operation will do is we will continue to upkeep our fences and make sure we are keeping tree limbs and debris off as much as possible long term. You know, you have problems like little cedar trees growing up in between fences. Um, just preparing longer term in advance for different things because you never know what could happen. We are along the river, but we also sit a little ways up, so we had never expected anything like this or for a dam to be compromised. But lo and behold, it can happen. So you definitely need to manage your risk. And as far as insurance goes, it's it's really a cheap, cheap alternative to losing everything. So it's definitely going to be something we will look to in the future. With all these sudden changes, this event has taught Logan countless valuable lessons. The thing I've learned the most is that you, you can't plan for everything, no matter 
how well you think you're prepared for anything, there's always something else you may not think of that can come up. And that's something that every operation will consider in the future, hopefully. Uh, one of the things you, you learn in all of this is never fear you're going to have neighbors that will be willing to help you. Everyone is willing to step in usually, and you just need to ask for help, so don't be afraid to. Um, along with that, that's also part of my message is if you have struggles or problems with your operation or whatever it is in your life, don't forget or neglect to ask for help because there's always a helping hand. Just be willing to ask. And those may ask for return and favor, but maybe that's something where you can donate your time as well. For the general public, I think one of the big things I've noticed is we need to be careful how much food we're donating to these local communities. You may be asking yourself, why would you wonder about that? Uh, one of the things we've noticed in the Lynch community is our local supermarket is losing lots of business because none of these families are being able to um, go to the supermarket. They're getting the donated items, which, you know, you can take in different ways, but we also want to preserve these small-town community businesses that are keeping these people here. So just be cautious of what you do and what you don't do. Uh, never forget to ask for a helping hand. Other than the producer standpoint of the flooding, there are many economic impacts from this event as well. Today I'm here with Tim Meyer, an associate professor at UNL within the Agricultural Economics Department, to give us an insight on how this flooding could end up from an economic standpoint. You know, markets are kind of funny because there's so many things that are going on in markets that it's hard to discern the effect of one event and the event of another. Now, an example where uh, we would see uh, an immediate impact. I remember I was in college during 9-11, and on September 12th, gas prices went up 50%. So we we know that 9-11 was the de facto reason why gas prices went up right away. In the case of production agriculture, the flood is what an economist would call a supply shock. It's something that's happening that's outside of the ordinary, uh, places flooded that have never flooded before, uh, it was just something that markets couldn't price in to begin with it because it's something that is brand new. It's a, a flood that is unlike any that we've ever seen. Now, on a side note, uh, flood experts will tell you that that's how every flood is. Every flood is new and unique and something is different. But something like a dam uh, breaking on the Niobrara River is certainly not something that anyone could say they saw coming. Uh, so I don't think that consumers are going to see any immediate impact of the flood. And by the time they do see any impact, it will be muddled with many other impacts that could be adding or detracting to uh, what happened. Now, that doesn't mean that whatever the flood's economic impact was isn't there. It will just be very hard to determine. All right, here it is. This is why beef prices have gone up. Livestock producers in Nebraska had many losses, which could have a possible widespread impact on our markets. So uh, one of my colleagues, uh, Professor Azadine Azam, uh, recently wrote an article uh, in Beef Magazine, and it talked to, about two different uh, entities discussing uh, what's broken in cattle markets. And uh, it pointed out that, hey, we have really strong demand, but we don't see prices going up, and that's because the cattle herd is getting bigger and bigger and bigger. So supply is outpacing demand. I don't think there's going to be as big of an impact. We didn't lose as many cattle as probably necessary to put a lot of upward pressure on prices. 
I think this flood is going to be one where there's widespread impact, but from a producer standpoint, some people were completely spared and there's no issue. Some livestock producers, their herds were spared, but their farm ground is completely destroyed. But from a standpoint of the number of cattle that were lost, uh, there'll probably be a number on that. And it probably isn't going to be enough for that alone to change cattle markets too much. This flood, although it was widespread in Nebraska, nothing was going on in Kansas or Texas. Probably a minimal impact there. Along with the loss of cattle in Nebraska, this could bring a new insight on risk within producers' operations. You know, I'm not an expert on insurance. It might fundamentally change the way producers view risk. Sometimes this is my personal belief that we just as generally positive people don't understand worst-case outcomes. And so perhaps producers will safeguard themselves against worst-case outcomes, losing an entire herd or uh, having irreparable damage to, to farm ground. You know, it's really hard to say because uh, federal disaster aid and the counties that have been included and those that, and who's included and what type of producers will be included. And there's a lot of federal aid. So in that case, if producers are made whole, so you know we know that the government does support agriculture. The Journal Star had an article on Sunday about a producer near Columbus, I believe, who had 200 acres of farm ground that was that has five feet of sand on it. So his entire farm has two, five feet of sand covering 200 acres, and he produced corn to feed cattle. And I'm not an agronomist, but you can't grow corn on five feet of sand. So that producer specifically is going to be affected. I think there'll be individual, individually big changes but the way that Nebraska fundamentally operates when it comes to cattle growing corn, selling corn, or feeding cattle corn, or what do we do with ethanol or ethanol byproducts, um, I don't see any huge fundamental changes. Other than the livestock market, crop production can have a negative impact due to the loss of infrastructure. So I've seen some of the flooding damage. One of the things that the, probably the biggest outcome to this story is the state will realize that some of our infrastructure is really in bad shape. So roads and rail, so ways that you get product from the farm to market, uh, some of those avenues literally have been destroyed. Uh, so there are going to be some impacts there. Uh, that will certainly cut into profitability if you don't have a place to market corn any longer because you can't get it there or you have to drive and ship further on. So that will that will really be a negative impact on corn producers. Along with the loss of infrastructure, the possible setback of planting season as well as acres out of production could have an impact as well. Uh, right now we're uh, you know, still behind in acres planted, but not so far behind that it's becoming what analysts would call a weather market. So a weather market would be one where all right, it's already negatively impacted an overly wet spring where we can't get into fields and it looks like that's going to put crops at risk. Uh, they're not so late that that's a problem yet. So again, the, uh, you know, if you think about, well, what could happen and you just uh, 
play the guessing game. A lot of producers may anticipate that there's going to be acreage that's out of production, and those acres that are not in production, whether it's corn or soybeans, will put upward pressure on prices. So perhaps they will view individually the opportunity to increase their input use, to plant more acres at higher rates, uh, which then will have the opposite effect. If everyone is thinking alike, uh, then we'll see uh, commodity and grain prices go down. This flooding could also have an economic impact on our surrounding states as well. You know, for that transmission to make it to Iowa or South Dakota or Kansas, um, it's, you know, we're, we're several levels down the line at that point. Yes, when something happens, there is an impact. Uh, but I think, just like my first answer, it will be hard to know when and how much that specific impact is. With all these changes in the markets, when could we go back to an economic status quo? Uh, I think that uh, one production cycle, most every most of the kinks will be worked out. Uh, if you're a producer that has to take an alternate route to, to market whatever they're selling, that will be priced in. And it will just take one production cycle to understand how those changes will impact. So asking when we go back to normalcy or asking when we go back to where we were, well, we'll never go back to where we were. The market will be different. But when will the kinks of this change work out? Probably one entire production cycle, I would guess most of it, two, three, four cycles down the line, we'll understand what the true impact is. Thanks to our audience for joining us today for this episode of The Husk, reporting for the University of Nebraska-Lincoln's Department of Agricultural Leadership, Education, and Communication. I'm Jaden Heckenlively.